Hi, this is Ned Siegfried from Siegfried & Jensen. As proud sponsors of BeliefCast, we hope you are inspired by Todd's weekly podcasts, which contain so many courageous stories of recovery and personal growth. Remember, it's not what happened in the past that matters, it's what happens in the future. We invite you all to work hard and be optimistic about your future. Enjoy today's podcast. And we are back again, guys. Uh, this is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Inspires Belief Cast. Thank you for tuning in again. Thank you for all your support and love and for sharing our episodes. We're trending now because of that. So I, I can't thank you guys enough. And, and it's because we have amazing guests come on and they're vulnerable and they share from their heart and they share things that we all need to hear because we're all going through something. Um, but it's also, you know, uh, an, I guess a testimony that we can get through these things and, uh, we do it together and today's going to be no different today. We're joined by, uh, Scott Gazzelli. Did I say that right? Gazzoli. Gazzoli. Sorry. Got it. Sorry about that. Um, Scott Gazzoli, he is the host of Causing the Effect podcast. I had the privilege of being on his podcast uh, a few months back, and it was awesome. The feedback was great. Scott's doing some great work there, and he's really trying to urge others, uh, and he believes his podcast can transform people. The goal of his podcast is to change individuals' mindsets by raising awareness and consciousness through the balance of mind, body, and spirit which we'll talk about here. He's also the managing director with the quest organization. And, uh, you know, he prides himself on his ability to create solutions and build relationships with his clients. You're also a comedian, <laughs> which I, that, that takes a lot of guts. I'll tell you that we'll talk a little bit about that, but he's also been through some, some difficult things, not only with himself personally, but with his family. We're going to talk about that. And he's an open book and, you know, so let's just all welcome Scott. Scott, thanks for being here. Dude, Todd, thank you so much for having me. Um, thank you for coming on my show. Thank you for everybody listening. Uh, you're, you're a real inspiration to me. And ever since you came on, I've been using some of your juice of your power hour. Um, I have, uh, I'm like a jack of all trades, master of none. Uh, I'm very grateful. And, you know, my story, just people buckle in for this shit because I'm not, nothing will be fabricated. I hate talking about it because I'm like, it sounds like a movie and it's not. Um, and I'm just happy to be here and, and spread the, the wealth. And in reality, people, I look at myself like I'm a vessel um, to just really, kind of help people in, in to end suffering in a way I've made every mistake in the book. We could talk yeah. about every single one. Um, addiction has been a heavy part of the issues I've dealt with, um, been inherited and, you know, all that good jazz. So I'm just happy to be here, Todd. Very excited. Yeah, Scott. And you know, you are a very open book. Uh, you're very well-spoken. You, you speak your mind and I'm grateful that you're willing to do that today because I think people need to hear it like that, uh, versus, you know, kind of maybe sugarcoating things and, um, so why don't we start off? I know, you know, you mentioned to me, uh, when I was on your podcast that, uh, you know, you struggled with some addiction and then you're, you know, you had a, a you know, maybe a difficult time early on with your father. Talk a little bit about that and let our listeners know kind of what that looked like when you were younger. Sure. So, um, I can tell you guys that, um, up to I'm 32 years old. I've been addicted to everything in the book, drugs, sex, alcohol. I was addicted to goddamn vapes when you're doing the, the, the you know, even the, the inhaler nostril stuff, you name it. I've been addicted to it. Um, growing up, I thought my father was in the coffee business. He was with me till I was about five or six. And, you know, him and my mother, they go hard in the paint. And, uh, you know, <laughs> they told me uh, out of the nine months of my mother's pregnancy. There was six months straight in Atlantic City. Just to give you guys an idea, 
my mother admitted to doing a little bit of cocaine with me, which I think is great because that's why I fucking talk so fast. It goes so fast. Um, they were big gamblers, big into you name it during, during that time, quaaludes, cocaine, all that good stuff. Uh-huh. When I was six, my father disappeared. I thought up till this point, like I said, he was selling coffee. He was not selling coffee. He was selling cocaine. He actually had to go into the witness protection program. So mm-hmm. I didn't see my dad for about 10 or 11 years um, until oh, I was, wow. you know, 13 or 14 years old. And even when I saw him, I was never allowed to know what really went on. Now, I found out the entirety of the story of what happened from my grandfather, who actually uh, told me the story two years ago. My father uh, ratted on my grandfather and put him in jail for 20 years. So um, I just found out. Yeah, just found out this news. It kind of I always had an iffy relationship with my father. He's um, like the opposite of me, I would say. I just try to like do the opposite. But um, that led me to kind of cut ties with him in a way. And, you know, growing up with that, you know, not having a father, I had a lot of great guys in my life, but not having a father, I think that just leaves you with like, am I not good enough that that self-worth issue that I've still dealt with. And I see it, it always popped up with a vice. So, you know, every four years, it was like me transferring this vice from, you know, whether it be alcohol in your teens to, you know, Molly and the, the, you know, the ecstasy, all that stuff when you're in the party phase, and then you go to gambling, that's always kind of been there. So, um, that was very, very heavily involved in my father's life. He's still a recovering alcoholic, uh, drug, you know, still recovering, hasn't touched Uh that supposedly in 20, 25 years. Um, but I do, yeah, that was inherited by me. And the reason for that was that I would be able to see my father once a year from 13 to 20, we were seeing him once a year for Christmas. And, you know, I think, you know, father and sons, they may go to a baseball game. They may do yeah. something not gambling related. It was gambling. That was the name of the game. So when the day oh, the Borgata opened up in, in uh, New Jersey, 2013, um, I'm 13 years old. We walk into the Borgata. We go sit at the high limits. I'm used to only high limits. I'm used to the $10,000 hands, all this stuff. And they go, <laughs> you know, you can't have this kid sit here um, and, and gamble. He's 13. My dad goes, well, I'm gambling $300,000 here or in Caesars. You guys pick. So. I was always around it. And, um, that warps your reality in a way when, you know, you, you get to, to my age when I'm 21, 22, and you're seeing that kind of gambling, I have that gene. And that's been my biggest advice up to this point. And, uh, everybody's listening. This is April, 2022 gambling has been legal in New York since January. And it's been a tussle back and forth with that. So I'm still, you know, still struggling with that. And during the funny part of this, uh, Todd was during COVID I was not it was the one time in my life you would think the world was collapsing. I was yeah. like, I was a, I was a Buddhist because I just went to my meditation. I went deep <laughs> into my mind. There was no issues. And it's really funny when you start kind of throwing all this chaos at, at, at you back into the real world, things start popping up again. So I thought that was like interesting because I was a little nervous being by myself. I'm like, how am I going to react? And I loved it. I couldn't, I, you know, I got really uh, spiritual, got one with myself. So um, that is part of the story in a nutshell. Wow. Well, there's a lot there. And, you know, I want to go back to you know, obviously the family, your family kept it from you. Why dad was gone. Um, and so, but knowing that he was gone as a kid though, no matter what the reason was, I I would imagine that was a very difficult time for you. Uh, just growing up with your dad, not being there. Talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. Now let me preface this with saying I lived with absolutely amazing men in my life and to give you guys a color of what happened. My, my father went away. My uncles kind of took over as the father figures. My uncles were, um, my father was, you know, if for the Italian people, if you watch Goodfellas, you know this story. If you're not full Italian, you can't be a made man. You can't be a part of any, any crew. 
Um, my father was selling drugs. That's a big no. So he already had a riff with my uncles. My uncles were in the um, out of the five families. They were part of the Gambino crime family. So, oh, wow. yeah, they were my uncle, who was basically my acting father, um, took me under his wing, started taking me to the pinochle clubs. You start um, you start giving the drinks out. You get twenty dollars like Henry Hill. Then they yeah. ask you to pass an envelope. So I was doing a little bit of that game. But with that being said, um, I learned a lot about loyalty and respect. And I do hold those times of like being around some of the, you know, not without knowing just some of the most yeah. lethal men in the world and learning how that works. There was always impressing that loyalty and looking back at it. I was like, Oh, it's because my dad was such a rat. Everybody was probably nervous. I was going to, you know, something's going to happen. But yeah. as far as like, you know, the, the situation now, if you take it, it's me, my sister and my mother, my mother tried her best to keep it like as cordial as you could but still she had a lot of animosity towards him and she was just like it, it kind of got the vibe for me like your father didn't want anything to do with you um but he's sending money so yeah you know on a monetary stand he was trying to do his best but that still left a big gaping hole in my life and now you add that um add that you know that search that of, of really trying to you know well if you you know uh become great at football you'll end up you know feeling better about yourself i, I kept trying to find it's always been like trying to fill a glass that you can't fill. Yeah. Um, and it was with football. My mother had a lot of pressure on me to, um, I had, I took a couple IQ tests when I was like 11 or 12 and they came back very high. So my mother had that threshold with me like, Oh, he's going to be the golden child. So, yeah. uh, spelling, spelling B. So it would be, uh, go to school football till six, come home, hour of math cards, hour of spelling B cards every night. So, um, the pressure was always high. If I would come home with a 97, my mother would say, well, what happened to those three points? You couldn't get the hundred mm. that made me a perfectionist today. And I think it, yeah, it helps me with hitting goals and doing, but that voice in my head is very, um, very critical. And I yeah. do attest that to my mother. So, um, it, there's pros and cons to everything, right. But there's well, a price yeah. to be paid. Well, not only that, the, a lot of pressure you put on yourself because you, you can't be perfect. you you never will be, but if that's what you keep trying to shoot for or strive for, I mean, that's exhausting. Yes. And even to this day, like now I could still catch myself doing it, but yeah. you know, there's always that, that little push of, of in your head. And that's really been my, uh, once I learned to quiet my mind, to quiet my mind, that is really when things started to change. And I started to figure out, wow, I'm living off the vet. I was a mama's boy growing up. So I, listen, I love my mother. Um, she's the best. She got me to where I am today. She paid for college, paid for all these great stuff. But, um, you know, I was trying to live life by her values. So if you looked at me when I was 27, uh, to fast forward to, to where I, to where I was in my mid twenties, um, worked in a hedge fund, uh, with, with family offices. Uh, I was a CPA CFA. I got married very young. I was trying to fill the gaps in the holes that I thought my mother wanted, which, you know, from, from a kid from Brooklyn, what, what, what do you do? You got to build your house. You're going to marry a nice Italian girl. You're going to make some money. Yeah. I did that I again. And we're back to the same story. I checked this stuff off the box and I didn't feel full. I didn't feel complete. I said, wow, this is, you know, this, this just isn't working. I had enough of, of, of trying to fill this glass. Like, what, what yeah. is the issue? So there was a couple things, um, self-awareness, figuring out a lot of introspection, a lot of psych psychological work, um, as well as figuring out the real values of my life. And I think that's part of the issue with kids today yeah. is you're living off of values that you think will give you the answer. And, and, you know, typically it's either power or money. Now you see clout coming into the, into it with, you know, I want to have likes yeah. on Instagram. I want to look cool yeah. in a way like that's right. a power. Um, and that's not going to get you, usually that's not going to get you where you want to go. So I've done all of that. And I can tell you that is not the answer. You will feel as incomplete as you did the, that first day you started. So. Well, I'm glad you point that out, Scott, because I think a lot of these younger 
kids, the younger generations are caught up in that social media. I've got to have likes, you know, that fear of missing out when they see that they're not part of a picture with their friends and that creates, you know, sadness and some depression and, you know, um, but you're right. You've been through all of that and you said it perfectly that you're not going to find your happiness there. You know, you did all that and you're still left empty, right? Um, you mentioned, and I want to talk about this. You said you learned to quiet your mind. Can you talk about why that's been so critical for you? And then what do you do? Like, how do we do that? How do we quiet our minds? Like, how's that possible? Absolutely. Um, and to let everybody know, like my mind, I, this was the one task where I was starting so far behind. My mind was very busy, very busy mind, uh, maybe ADHD, maybe this, maybe a little coke from my mother, whatever, whatever the story may be. And I can tell you nowadays, it's much, it's much more quiet. I ended up diving deep into, um, I think everybody starts their, their personal development. I don't like using that word anymore on this kind of path of, I just want to hit goals. I want to be the, the doing side. That's that masculine energy. They would call that the, the yang, um, yeah. the black side of the yin and yang. Um, that, that stuff came easy to me. So coaching and hitting goals, yeah. you know, again, that stuff didn't, didn't, didn't fit for me. I said, okay, well, what is the opposite of doing? And then you get into, um, this would be Buddhism, Tibetan Buddhism, Hinduism, just, you know, whatever you want to name it. Um, there's the, 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 the doing side. And then there's the stillness, the being side, that would be your feminine energy, your creative energy. And when okay. you start to quiet your mind, um, that is what, that's really where your, your artistry comes from. I happen to believe we're all creative at some level. I was never a creative person because I was, I was always unable to quiet my mind. So when I start quieting my mind, what happens? I want to make a podcast. I want to do comedy. <laughs> there's yeah. this side of me that like, I feel like I'm there and, and there's a lesson to be learned that, you know, in inside of those fears, that's where you could find those lessons. And um, mm. for me, I had a big case of, of stage fright. I had a big case of, of interacting with people, like almost a social anxiety. And I love doing it. And it's just so interesting. Like people would never think of it because I'm the kid like in the, in the party, everybody's talking to me, but there's just, you know, yeah. so there was something there. So I started really going after this and understanding like, okay, let's start with classic. Um, I started off with Zen Buddhism meditation, which is simply breath in, breath out. So you start off for 10 minutes, get to 20 minutes, 20 minutes now. Um, I've built similar to Todd. I'm sure you've spoken about yours, like that power hour for me, I do about 45 minutes of, um, of meditation, whatever okay. people, whatever people want to call it, you can call it introspection. Like my little cousins are Italian kids from Staten Island. I say meditation, I'm like, Oh, what are you doing? Scott, get that away from me. But I tell them, <laughs> you know, I tell them stay off their phone for the first hour and just sit with your thoughts. And all of a sudden life is better. So I start off my morning with 15 minutes of pranayama breath work, which okay. people, I, I like to, to not be too pushy because I feel like everybody has to find their own thing. But if you type in pranayama breath work, all you're doing is calming down your subnervous system. You're just, if, if just by, I do a breath, uh, you're, you're individually breathing through your left nose and then breathing out through both, then breathing through the other one and then breathing through both. That is okay. the way for me to calm down and kind of prime my, my brain for mm. my meditation. Then yeah. I jump into my meditation. After that, I do five minutes of gratitude, five minutes of forgiveness, and I've added Todd Sylvester's book reading, the last 10 minutes of, of my power hour now. I've been doing Marcus Aurelius's meditations. Um, I know wow. you were doing that, that personal development book. Yeah. I just kind of switch it up. And that is yeah. a standard and a, a practice every morning at 4 a.m. that works for me. Um, people think I'm crazy, but the way I look at it, um, an hour and a half of mental work followed by the gym for about an hour and a half, two hours, you get your mind, your body, and your spirit out of the way. And then I can give everything for the rest of the day. And the only way I could really describe it, I can, it's almost like the, the, the quarterback who sees everything, yeah. um, every play on the field, 
compared to if I just wake up and start going, I'm going to miss out on opportunities. I'm going to be a little bit more mm -hmm. nasty. You know, my yeah. boss, I, the one day I came in and didn't do this, my boss was like, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, come in a little later. Make sure you do your whatever you got to do um, to get you in, in state. So I like that works for me to be absolutely optimized. And um, everybody could find different ways to do this. If people aren't classic meditators, you could journal. You could... Um, you know, some people like doing a walking meditation. That is just what sort of works for me. But I, I have dabbled in everything and have found that the classic way of, of meditation, like I've went more into, um, it's called Tibetan, uh, okay. Tibetan Buddhism, which is kind of like the next level. So what we're talking about is Zen Buddhism, which for people to give everybody a little bit of, of a of a whole little um, history here. Yeah, please. Uh, the Buddha, Guatemala Sata, came into Buddhism uh, in India. And each of his followers spread out to different areas. So one went to Japan. That would be a classic Zen now is what that's called. Then you have uh, two of them went to up to Tibet. That is Tibetan Buddhism. Then you had uh, the people oh. that stayed would be called Hinduism. So everyone is it's similar. It's just a flavor that it's, it's a mix of the, the teachings of the Buddha, which um, are the four noble truths. Then I think what, what really ended up happening was the culture of each country ended up warping it um, for a different flavor. So for example, for me, the Tibetans focus more on a philosophical and logical way of looking at it. So the way I do my, my meditation now is sim very similar to the Zen Buddhism. So, so the, the, the Japanese would tell you, all I want to do is be in the present moment. That's all I want to do. All I yeah. care about is that quality. Now I'm with that and I like that. And that is part of why I do that. But yeah. the added piece to my Tibetan uh, meditation, breath in, breath out, and if you do this, there's no way you could, you could stick to it, right? So your mind will, will start to, to, to chatter. The, yeah. So let's say you go from, I'm here, breathing in, breathing out. Let's, let's pretend it's this morning. Sure. I'm breathing in, breathing out. I go to um, Todd's podcast. Then I go to podcast. And then I go to my views, something like that. The goal yeah. of what I'm doing is, let's say I get there. I catch myself. You have to trace back each step to get yourself back to your, to your, to your thoughts. So it's a little bit more strenuous. Mm. But what you're doing is... Um, and I've been told, listen, this stuff is, is, is very difficult. Um, after six or seven months, the goal of this is to transfer this process into now you have an intent. So let's say for me, I'm an okay. angry, angry was the initial thing. And I think that that's a lot for most guys that I kind of talk to. Yeah. You would be able to go back to your, you would sit and meditate on your anger and be able to trace back where that anger came from. And once you could do that, you can kind of dissolve the, just by understanding it, dissolve the, the issue and say, okay, well, that really came from it. And you start realizing like, Everything that you're seeing in the world is a is a perception of how you feel on the inside. So I'm very if believe it or not, obviously I'm very judgmental of people, <laughs> and you could see where that seed came from after everything I've been through. So a lot of insights come just by um, like I stopped looking externally for the answers, and really started digging deep. And when I say that, I mean like I spent yeah. a lot of time doing this, um, and it really has been the the gift uh, of life for me to make, wow. to, you know, to kind of change everything I looked at. I'm sorry. I went on a whole tangent. No, there. no, don't be sorry. That was fascinating. I just learned a whole bunch right there. That was, that was amazing. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. And you can tell what I love, Scott, is how passionate you are about it. I mean, you can feel it in your words. It's obviously made Todd, an impact on you in a good way. I, I can't like for me to find something I'm passionate about at like, so that's so fresh. And like the one thing yeah. that, 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 you know, it's, it's just you and it's just authentic. And that's the point of my yeah. podcast. I feel like it's part of, of what you're doing is like, yeah. when you start, like when people start on this journey, you think you're trying to add things. I'm trying to add courage. I'm trying to add this. Yeah. It's actually the opposite. You're actually trying to like unveil the illusions that you've created for yourself with the conditioning of culture and society. 
and yeah. and like just be if you get if you get out of the way of yourself that's like 90 percent of the issue <laughs> right. right yeah and i love what you said there is you know i think a lot of times you know like you said we want to add to this and do this and but we have all these belief systems or as you called it illusions about ourselves because of culture the way we were raised and so on and so forth and and you know just like you mentioned you were raised a certain way that led to you feeling like you got to be perfect at everything that you do, which is understandable based on what you shared with us. And so getting, getting rid of those things is very freeing and very enlightening, obviously. So, you know, you, you said, and I love this, you said in that, when you would quiet your mind, you started getting really creative and that's when you're like, I, I want to do this podcast. Uh, I want to, I want to be a comedian. I want to go, I want to go do things that I normally wouldn't go do. So let's talk about your podcast the, uh, causing the effect podcast. First of all, why do you call it that? And then just tell us a little bit about what that podcast has done for you and for others. Yes. Th doing this, like what we're doing right now for me is what I've been looking for in my life. It, it's, yeah. it has that perfect uncertainty of like, we don't know what's going to come or, you know, there's no questions here. We're just kind of winging it to you guys having a conversation, but we're connecting on a deeper level and we're both like right now you can't not be in the moment when you're doing it. So that's why for I love podcasting. Sure. Yeah. Um, now to causing the effect, people have heard of the cause and effect, right? Yeah. So cause and effect is the first, you know, Darwinian kind of Newton's law of, of yeah. uh, physics. So cause and effect. So, the, the way I try to describe causing the effect is like you want to cause your own result. You want to cause your own future. So, for example, taking how you feel when I had I, I did have the de, de, um, debilitating stage fright, I thought I would eventually feel the belief and have the courage to do it and then go do it. I would have yeah. the cause and then I would go create it. That mm. is not the way this works. Okay. You have to go out there and cause your own effect. So I had to go oh. out there. You sort of fake it till you make it. You have to do the work and prepare and, and be ready and believe in yourself, but you're never going to actually believe you can do it until you actually do it. That's not the way that your mind works. Now, there's tricks you can do to get yourself out of fight or flight mode to get yourself prepared yeah. for it, but the only way you're actually going to, to believe it is by going and performing it, and then that's yeah. the result, and that's just the way we're kind of triggered as um, as humans. So my thing to people was go out there, do those things that you don't want, that that you would think are stupid and that you think that you can't do. Cause I'm telling you, I could not stand in front of a, a group of 20 people. The first time I did this, it was such an interesting thing. Cause I went from being this pretty brainiac kid as a kid, right? You go to your first year of high school. And I guess when puberty hits, you start worrying about what people think about you. I don't know what happened. I went up there to do speech. My hands start shaking violently. I started <laughs> sweating. It was like, everything came collapsing. Yeah. Um, that stopped me from doing everything creative, um, yeah. dancing at parties, um, doing plays, all these things that I would have just pretty dabbled with. I didn't have that fear. And I said, when I turned 30, right, right when I hit 30, which was, uh, 2020, I said, I'm done doing this. I'm going to walk through this fear. And that fear, this is why we love the, um, you know, everybody loves the, the story of going to face the dragon and it's lair that's hoarding the gold. The dragon is your yeah. fear. And yeah. the only way to, to, to get over your fears, to go face the dragon. So instead of running away from, um, I ran away from it for 15, 16 years. All I did was miss out on opportunities and create and make the dragon bigger. Wow. In 2020, I said, I'm going for it. I'm going directly at this and I'm going to attack it full on, um, you know, and just, just do it. And, and I can tell you the way I look at fear now, it's so funny. 
any uncomfortable feeling I have, I've made a promise to myself, you have to go and do it. So let's say you see a pretty girl on the train. That girl's getting spoken to by me. If I feel it and I feel that uncomfortability, I got I to go do it. So that's like the little <laughs> trick I made to myself. Uh, it, it helps you get comfortable with the uncomfortable. It helps you like just you create these scenarios. Like I was so scared of women in my, when I was a kid and I thought everybody would reject me, all this stuff. Let me tell you, all the guys who were, who were doing this, if you go up to a girl and say, hey, hey, how you doing? Can I get you a drink? They're going to let you buy your drink and they're going to be lovely to you. That's like, I thought they would reject you. You make up, you make up all these terrible stories about yeah. everything. And it's like, what the hell was I doing this whole time? So life has been easier since then. But, um, you know, that, uh, you know, your the lesson and, you know, your fear, wherever your fear is, you have to go towards that because there's usually – a, yeah. there's going to be not only a lesson, I think that there, there's something deeper. I think like that, that's your, your mission lies within there. And I think for me, um, uncovering comedy has been beautiful. It's given me like these tools of speaking that I think will take me to somewhere where I want to be. And we spoke about that. I would love to be in a top position where I could be a speaker and do all that stuff. Cause I connecting with people. That's why I have so much fear of that is because I want to connect with people so much. And I want that, you know, that love or whatever, probably if we trace back to you know, not having that as a kid. So all this stuff is so intertwined. It's just, it's fascinating to me. Wow. I love that. And I'll tell you, uh, I, I, I mean, I, I sh shouldn't say I, I can tell you because I don't know what this is like, but to stand on stage and, and try to make people laugh. I mean, I think that's one of the most vulnerable things anyone could ever do. Right. Todd, it is terrifying. So I can tell you, I've been doing this two years now. I've been on stage 100, 150 times. Really? My wow. the greatest day of my life doing comedy. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what happened. We were doing this for four yeah. to five months and I'm dabbling with it. I'm going twice a week. I'm still, I'm a little nervous still. I'm not quite who I am on stage. I get a call from my cousins. They go, guess what? We booked you in the comedy showcase at Caroline's on Broadway uh, in six weeks. Good luck. You have to be there. I instantly threw up. I was like, what did they do to me? I'm going to embarrass myself. SNL producers were going to be there. All this stuff. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, how I have to do this now. There's no going back because, you know, they, they signed me up. That's six weeks. I've never been more focused. I've never been more precision. I've never been more prepared in my life. Yeah. I crush this thing. 500 people. I win. I win the showcase. Really? I get a, I get a development deal over the, over last summer. And it just showed me like, if you give yourself two days to clean your house, you yeah. will clean your house in two days. But if you give yourself 20 minutes to clean your house, like the pressure is what makes the diamond for me, at least. And this is kind yeah. of, I, sure. I felt I made exponential leaps within that, that um, six weeks. So uh, I appreciate my cousins for doing that. That could have backfired, but that was the, that night was still the best night of my life. Having like Todd, we crushed it. And the funny part, my 10, my 10 minutes is the story about my father. So people were going to kick. It was like, so cool. It's like a therapy slash yeah. way to, to like, to, to react to it. I sent it to my father. He got a kick out of it. Um, <laughs> it was really, it was really great. So, uh, but equally the worst night of my life so far in the last couple of years, like remember was a, um, Monday night comedy show it, Monday just so calm, people who know don't go to a comedy show on a Monday. That's very weak. Nobody wants to see comedy on a Monday. It's the same place, except there's not 400 people. There's about 20. And uh, I was getting a little too big for my britches. I wasn't preparing as much. I wasn't, you know, oh, doing yeah. all this stuff. It's the lighting. Here's the weird part, Todd. The lighting, I get on stage. I'm like, shit. The lighting just felt like the lighting when I, when it, everything blew up when I was 14. Mm. All of that came rushing in. 
the, the floodgates opened up and I blew it. I bombed. It was horrible. It was part of the process. It's still, you know, it taught me a lesson. Like you can't, you can't really go off the, the game here. You're not Chris Rock. You're not, you know, you can't be, you know, yeah. I was, I went, I think I was uh, away that weekend doing shows in Miami. So I was like, Oh, I can, you know, it's just a Monday show. You don't got to prepare. Did not go as well. So, um, but I do yeah. like that, you know, if you, if you're, if you're hearing all the stuff that we're talking about podcasting, even my day job and, and comedy, there's that variety, that uncertainty yeah. there, but then there's that connection that comes with it. So those are, the, I kind of realized like these things are, they give you a kind of, well, there's a lot of juice for me, uh, with, yeah. with this stuff. So. Very cool, man. And I, and I hats off to you that you do that comedian, uh, you know, that you're a comedian and you get up there and do what you do. I think that's fantastic. You know, I love what you said just a minute ago. You said the pressure makes the diamond. And I, it really made me look at that differently because you're right. You know, if you got two days to do something, you kind of maybe drag it off until the very last, like you said, half hour, 20 minutes, and then it's like go time. And I think a lot of time I work the same way you do in that, Scott. Like I'm a lot like, okay, it's time to get this stuff done. And then, you know, I, I get going. But uh, I really appreciate you sharing that. It's really powerful. So what, what are your future plans? Like, you know, I know you're doing this podcast, uh, you love what you do. Um, you're great at what you do. What do you have any other goals in mind, the stuff that you're working on that you could share with us? Yeah. So what the, the plan is now, now to, my day job is I'm very lucky. I created a business where we are an advisory firm for ultra high net worth individuals and celebrities. So I get to talk to these people and it's just so funny that like, I can talk to a billionaire, like th this guy is the guy that the billionaires see, but I can't freaking, I had, you know, stage fright. So it's just funny. Like how my, <laughs> no. my, my, yeah. my family's like, you could talk to, to this guy, to Howard Stern, but you can't talk to, to, to 10, you know, idiots. Yeah. It's, it's just funny. But um, <laughs> the goal would be to take more of a back and we started doing this and everybody in my office loves the way that, that I, that I treat a business finance corporation, that it's almost, it's, it's just yeah. different. Cause we're not cutthroat. Yeah. We're all about the things that we're talking about being mindful, caring about everybody being a team, a team uh, oriented kind of workplace. But the plan would be to take a step back, still support everybody, do as much as I could, but really d dive in deep on this connection with people, this public speaking, being able to take more of a, a spiritual approach to yeah. even personal development and be able to, for people, because I feel like if you go straight into personal development and you're, and you're on that, that wheel, if you, if you're not understanding that you're trying to quench a thirst that is unquenchable, you're not, you're not going to be aware. So I think you need personal development to hit your goals. And yeah. I would say you're, you're probably like me to where it's easy for us to do the doing, then, then stay still. People still need that. Right. I think that's a great skill, yeah. but I think equally important. And even for me, even more important, because that's where you find that juice is in that stillness and being. So being yeah. able to really bring those two pieces together, I think is what really where the balance is. And I think that's why I do the podcast. The, the, the mix of mind, body, and spirit is the key to do that. You need to be able to be super. We haven't spoke about the fitness side, but my fitness is what anchors me every, every day. Yeah. Um, and once I was able to say I was 275 pounds when I was a kid, so very overweight. I was eating McDonald's wow. three, four times a week. Once I realized I can change my body, what else could you change? Yeah. Like, wow. It opens up a whole thing. So I see a lot of people, um, a lot of fitness people come on my podcast, like 
that's usually the first step. And then you see what else you could expand. And it's all about shedding these limiting beliefs. Like my family, yep. the whole thing was, oh, we're Italians. We like carbs. We're built endomorphs. <laughs> Our hips are the same size. We can't just get skinny. We can't have abs. <laughs> no, I did that. That's that's nonsense. It's just all excuses. Um, yeah. So my goal would, I think in the end, Todd, I hope to be as influential and as, as impactful with you are with, with the young people to, to truly let people see that. You know, yeah. life is suffering, but there's ways to deal with it. And it's just yeah. kind of ways that we're conditioned. And if you're able to at least go through life like it's a dance instead of victim blaming or like you see a lot of people doing today, we would all be a lot better. And, and, and just even educating people as far as taking 10 minutes to be a little bit more mindful, taking wow. uh, a couple yeah. minutes to, to, to be grateful. Um, like that's a... a I try to take spirituality and mix it with these little psychological tricks. So for yeah. people who are, and if anybody's miserable listening to this, sit and be grateful for five minutes. I don't mean say I'm grateful for listening to this podcast or I'm grateful for my mother. Sit and feel the gratitude. It's yeah. actually impossible scientifically to feel grateful and feel those negative emotions. So by training your brain this way, and I know you, you love doing this in the morning, yeah. your whole day is like a, is just you're floating through it instead of, you know, kind of, you know, Yin, yin yang in your way out of it. So yeah, wow, I love that. Well, you know, if there is someone listening to you right now, Scott, who is miserable or who's struggling, there, you've are you've already given some great advice. But what would you say to that one person right now who's really having a rough time? What could you tell them right now to help them? So let's we'll use a vice for example. If you're somebody who's trying to stay off of something, like I, I was, um, I'll use me as an example. I've gotten back on the gambling train a little bit here. You can't be so hard on yourself here. You have mm -hmm. to do do not be connected to. Um, you have to be able to separate the thoughts and how hard you are. You know, because we all have that that thought. That's why we love that um, the metaphor, of the angel and the and the devil behind us. Yeah, you're not you're not that voice. That voice is just your thoughts. You don't have to be that. And when you start disconnecting yourself from that and say, "Okay, I fucked up. I I smoked pot or I, I had a drink when I shouldn't have." That's okay. And it doesn't mean that you have to be so critical. And the world is crumbling. You have to take it. Take listen. You fucked up. You take your day. I give myself one day to be upset. You know, twenty four hours. Okay. Tomorrow we get right back on it. We're going to try our best. And if you, if you take that approach and look at everything on a day by day basis, and don't be so you know brutal on yourself, you will see everything in a lighter, more compassionate sense. And for me, lowering that veil of, of having more compassion for others instantly makes you more compassionate for yourself. And I think that is something that we all could could work on. So. Yeah, I think that's great advice, Scott. I think uh, we are really hard on ourselves, and I love what you also pointed out. We're not that. We're not that thought. If we had a negative thought, that doesn't mean that's us. It's just a thought, you know? And um, so, yeah, having more compassion for ourselves is so critical, especially in this time. In this world, you know, everyone's going through some tough times right now. And that's why I love that you're doing what you're doing, Scott, and, and your podcast and and all the good things you're doing. Like even with your comedy, I'm sure you're, you're giving some people, even if it's for an hour every week to have just kind of this release of life and just to just disconnect and connect with just laughing and, and feeling that I would imagine you see that too. Right. Yeah, and like, this is what I've learned. Like I, when you start looking, so let's say you're able to disconnect your thoughts and use whatever practice you want, cold awareness, introspection, meditation, any, any of the practices that you can Google to figure out <laughs> yeah. once you start doing that, then you could look at what you're doing. So when you are looking at people and you're judging and you're being so like, I used to just, you know, the way people look this, that now it's like, I want to see, I see people just for the essence that they are. And mm -hmm. I think if we all look at it that way, 
we would all, we are all so much more similar than we are different. Take away yeah. worries, take away all this. We are all, we all live, we all die. We are all going to suffer in between that. And that should be enough for you to feel compassion for somebody. And listen, I can't say I feel this way 9 a.m. on the train going and going to my job and I want to bash the homeless guy in the face. I still feel that way, but that's okay. That's part of this process. And if you yeah. think about it, if we have, everybody has similar stories to me. We all have those things. We are all conditioned in a certain way that we're going to feel lack. That's the reason why we're trying to fill the cup. Um, if you could understand that from, a, from an analytical level and now start moving that towards the feeling level and say, I've been more conditioned this way. I'm not really, you know, it's going to take some work. If you think about it, I've been conditioned the, the way I've been for 32 years and I'm still, you still have to keep, but it's, it's a process every day. And I think the juice is worth the squeeze when it comes to, the, to this work. So, wow. Very well said. Very well spoken, man, dude. You're awesome. Thank you, dude. I love what you do. If people want to reach out to you, Scott, and they want to follow your podcast, they want to know more about you. And, you know, maybe connect with you, not only in your personal life, but even stuff that you're doing outside of your personal life, like your comedic work. What's the best way for people to do that? Yeah. So uh, we'll put it in the notes below causing the effect podcast mm -hmm. at gmail.com. Uh, I really mean this when I say this, anybody could reach out to me about any issue. I'm not selling something. This is I'm lucky enough in the day job to make money where this is like. Yeah. I'm just, I, I can just be me, Todd. It's like, I love yeah. helping people. Listen, I, I got a couple of emails to get to today, but I will get to you. Um, we could talk about it. Um, you could just uh, the podcast on, on Instagram is causing the effect. If you type it in um, anywhere on Google, you'll find me. Please yeah. feel free to reach out. Anything I can do to help people. Um, I've made every mistake in the book. I thought women were the answer. <laughs> I thought drugs were the answer. I thought money. These things are not the answers. You have to go inside on your journey. And um, that is where you'll get where you want to be. Wow. Love it. And I will put, add all that to the show notes for sure. And, you know, boy, you've lived, a, you've lived quite the life and you've been through a lot. And I can't thank you enough for being willing to come share with us, be vulnerable. I know you're an open book, um, but it's just interesting that, you know, as I'm listening to your story, Scott, I can relate so much to it. And I know our, my listeners as well will relate to your story. So, you know, thanks for all you're doing, man. I appreciate it so much. Todd, thank you. And I, I still, I listen to our podcast again. You are, the work you're doing is inspiring me more than you know. Um, oh, and you. Uh, I'm going to hopefully 10 years from now, we're going to do, I, I imagined this the other day. I was like, Todd's going to, I'm going to open for Todd. We're going to do a speaking thing. So uh, I'm let's with you. Do it. Thank you so much, brother. Seriously. Yeah, dude, I'm down for that. So let's make that happen. I'm serious. I would love to do that with you. Um, I'm grateful to, I mean, you're all the way in New York. Uh, I'm here in, in Utah. And it's just great that we can connect like this. And I, I feel like I have a friend in New York now. And uh, again, let's stay in touch and we'll, you know, let's keep doing some good things and helping people. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for everyone listening. Um, just thank you. You betcha. Well, there you go, folks. I told you this was going to be another amazing episode. Uh, boy, Scott is a powerhouse, as you guys can tell. <laughs> he, he's got a lot of passion. He's got a lot of energy. Please reach out to him. Like I said, I'll have all the uh, ways to connect with him on, in the show notes. Uh, if you, for some reason, can't get a hold of him, reach out to me and I'll get you guys connected. But I'm excited for you guys to listen to this. Share this with people you know who need to hear this. Um, I know you have one person in your life right now that needs to hear not only did you listen to it, but share Scott's podcast with someone else today. That would be so amazing. The more people that listen to this, the better. We love you. Scott, you're amazing. Till next time, brother.